Welcome to the Organized Holistically podcast, where I help you get your business and personal life organized. I'm your host, Dana L'Oreal Morales, and I can't wait to share this episode with you. In today's episode, we are all up in your financial business because we are talking about the financial structure and processes that you have in your business. Now, before I say anything, I want to make it abundantly clear that I am not an accountant, nor am I an attorney. So I definitely recommend that in all of the things that I'm sharing with you today, that first of all, you check with your accountant, if you have one, and or attorney, if you have one, um, before you make any major structural changes that may um, make a difference or change in your particular situation. Because trust, Your finances in your business are very unique to you and your particular situation. So I really want you to listen to what I'm saying and really apply what is necessary for you, okay? Um, This is not a one-size-fits-all type of topic. So the very first thing that I want to do is I want to talk about the foundational structure of your finances, okay? Because every business should have some type of financial structure. And what I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, are you a solopreneur, LLC? I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is how you maintain your finances, how you keep track of your finances in your business. Now, I tend to find that people do one of three things, right? One thing that I see people doing is nothing. (laughs) They don't track anything. There's no um, true understanding of what's coming in or going out. And if this is you, you need to really pay attention because that is not good. Okay. Uh, the second type of person that I see is the, the business owner who they kind of know what's coming in because maybe they're using a payment processor and they can see the reports in that payment processor. But the truth is, is that this is not a full picture of your finances within your business because your payment processor is only really showing you what is coming in. It's not showing you necessarily what is also going out. And so it's important for you when you're looking at your business processes that you look in a holistic fashion at everything that is happening from a financial standpoint within your business. And then of course we have the third level which is the person who has it together. Most of the most of the people on that level this episode is really just going to be a checkpoint, right? To make sure that you're doing all of the the things on my list in your business. But in most cases you are in really good shape. You may just need to tweak a couple of things, okay? All right, so now that we have that understood, let's talk about the two different foundational structures that you can have in your business. So the simplest form is using an Excel spreadsheet. Now, the Excel spreadsheet is typically good for a very new business that doesn't have a lot of expenses or income coming in at this point or going out at this point. Um, It is someone that potentially is just a service, I shouldn't say just a, that has a service-based business where you don't have a lot of expenses, you have more income coming in than you do expenses going out, okay? So in a typical month, you know, in in a great world, right, if you had customers or or clients every single day as a service-based 
business, the, the likelihood of you having, you know, 30 entries into your Excel spreadsheet is, you know, the likelihood of that is low for those using that type of system. Okay. Now the person who is best for, well, let me not say that. Let me back up a second. So when I'm talking about the Excel spreadsheet, I wanted to specifically earmark that because I, I hear a lot of people panicking when I start talking about the financial structure, that they start panicking because they're like, I'm not an accountant. I don't know bookkeeping. Like this is a lot to learn. And I don't want you to get overwhelmed with the idea of tracking your finances in your business, but it is a really important thing for you to begin to do so that you have a true picture of what's happening. So if you are currently doing nothing or you have been using an Excel spreadsheet, there is a way to use that sheet um, and to really maximize your use of an Excel spreadsheet. And so um, don't feel like you automatically have to jump over to using an accounting system. However, I do recommend that depending on where you are in your business, and I like to use the um, kind of line of if you're making over $2,000 in your business, it's time to start looking to graduate to your accounting system um, and saying, you know, the $4,000 mark, you definitely need to be doing that. And I use that here where I live because that is kind of that earmark of when you have to start filing with the state, right? You have to have a business license and really it's $15,000. But when you hit that $4,000 mark, the likelihood of you really ramping up in your business or you having a lot more expenses is a little greater. And so that's kind of the, the rule of thumb. And that's not based on anything, right? That's just a what I have seen when working with people, okay? And that is specific to those in the service-based industry. If you are in a product-based industry and you are a product-based business and you have um, been in business, let's say that you actually have started taking in money, I recommend that you start off with the accounting system or you get your system set up in a way that can easily move over to the accounting system. And the reason why I say that is because a product-based business has a lot more expenses and a lot more things coming out than a service-based business does. And so that's really the, the rhyme or reason between why I'm saying you really need to start with the accounting system um, just to make sure that you're tracking things properly. But you can go with the Excel spreadsheet. Now, I have um, a template that is available in Organized Academy. If you're a Vault member, you have access, you will have access to this because I haven't put it there yet but you will have access to that. So definitely just check that out uh, so that you can see how to set up your Excel spreadsheet temporarily, right? Um, until you're ready to move over to the accounting system. But we will really be digging into the accounting system that I use um, and how to get things set up in there properly. Now, that being said, let's talk about the foundational use of an accounting system and why I feel like that's a really good place for you as a business owner to learn a thing for you to learn how to do and why I recommend that you have that in your business. And before I go into that, let me just say, when I first started my business, I did not have an accounting system. I was on team Excel, right? Because of the intake and there wasn't a lot of out 
expenses. And I still don't, I'm a service-based business majority. I'm probably 80% service-based, you know, 20% product. And so I don't have a lot of expenses coming out of my business. Um, and so it was easy for me to track it in Excel. And technically today I could still do that. However, because of the additional functionality that my accounting system gives me, I have moved to the accounting system. Now, why do I feel like this is a good place for you to be? Well, the, one of the things and probably the biggest thing about the accounting system is that it gives you some clear del, uh, delineations between how, you know, understanding about how you are spending your money and, and how money is coming in. So when you think about the finances in your business, you have your expenses and all your expenses are not created equal. You have expenses that are absolutely mandatory and you have expenses that are kind of more optional. You don't have to spend that money, but it's a nice to have type of expenditure, right? And so being able to separate those out and see kind of, you know, if you need to cut expenses, where are you gonna cut them? And being able to see where those buckets are and identify that for you know, making decisions and making changes in your business. The other thing is that you wanna see what is really benefiting you. Where is the money coming from? What you know, things are bringing money in so that you can put more effort into those or you can tweak the things that aren't really working out in your business. Um, and so you can get a very clear cut view of that uh, with your accounting system. Now, some accounting systems are a little more detailed than others. Um, and so you may want to um, stay high level, but others may want to go a little deeper. Um, so we, you know, we can talk more deeply about that in the vault, but for the purposes of this conversation, what I really want you to focus on is the fact that number one, you can see into your financial structure and know what's happening in your business. You can get all of the key reporting that you need for your business, your profit and loss statements, um, your categories of spending um, are really easily defined and, and reported out. So for those of you who do use an accountant, the beauty of having an accounting system is literally you can send them the final report with your breakdowns for them to do your taxes, right? You don't have to send buckets of receipts or spend all this time gathering all this information if you're doing it along the way. And if you have a system set up to make that happen. And so that makes things a lot easier. I love to use the accounting system, um, specifically the categories when I am working with clients to figure out, you know, what, what are you spending versus what are you making? So for example, one of the clients that I recently worked with, uh, she has a product-based business. And so we were trying, she kept talking about how much money she was making in her business, how well she was doing. So we began to really analyze her, her spending and, and understand she does not have any type. She's in that group number one. There was no accounting. Well, I shouldn't say group number one. I think she's group number two. She had no official accounting um, breakdown, but she was able to track her sales. So what the money that she was making, she was able to track that. And that's what she was basing her verbiage on. And her commentary on was, hey, I'm making all these sales. But when I began to ask her, you know, well, what are your expenses? How much does it cost you to make this product? Then the, you know, the brakes hit because there was no answer. There was no understanding of what that was. So we had to kind of sit down and manually go through and say, okay, when 
I make this, I need this product and I need this and I'll order this and I have this. You know, you think about a t-shirt, for example, what goes into making a t-shirt? You have the actual t-shirt, you have the letters or the vinyl, be that the ink or the vinyl on the shirt. Let's say it's a blinged out shirt. Maybe you have rhinestones that, that you put on the shirt. Maybe you have to buy the tags to sew into the shirt or um, the, the care information on a card, um, the packaging, all of those things go into the expense and the cost of making the product. And so when you look at that, and, and I didn't even add in the labor, your time, right? Because that is part of the expense of the product. So when you start adding all of that up to determine your actual product cost, and compare it to what you're selling the product for, how much money are you making? You know, does it make sense? Where can you cut expenses? And so when we did this, when I did this with, with this particular client, she realized that she was actually in the red, that she was spending more making the product than she was in, you know, her pricing was off basically. Um, she had come up with pricing based on what others were doing in the industry instead of looking at what her, cost was in comparison to what she was going to sell the product for. And so in her particular situation, she didn't want to raise her prices um, too drastically because she didn't feel like people would buy it at that price. And so we started looking at, well, how can you cut expenses without cutting the value of your product? And so she did a little further research and was able to cut her expenses in a way that would enable her to have a bigger profit margin. So I'm telling you this because many of you all are in that same situation where you kind of arbitrarily, and I say that in quotes, um, you know, picked your pricing. It was based on what other people were doing or where you felt comfortable pricing your product versus how much it costs you to make it or how much when you look at your overall time invested, does it make sense for your prices to be at this point? Um, so all of that became very clear based on our analyzing of her expenses and her income. And so having your accounting system, you are able to easily um, break that down and see what am I spending on expenses? Yeah, I made this for the month, but let me pull up my supply category for the month and do a comparison and see if, am I really in the black when it comes, and when I say black, that means that you're making money. If you're in the red, that means that you're losing money. So am I really in the black when it comes to, um, what I'm spending to make this product and what I'm selling it for. I mean, it's also really good when you're determining, you know, is it time to switch systems? You know, maybe you have learned about a new product on the market and you're trying to figure out, you know, what, what does, what does this system do that this system doesn't do? And what am I spending on software? And what do all these pieces of software do? So right-sizing your, your software is, you know, looking at your, what you're spending and can you right-size it so you can spend less but have the same functionality? Or can you get a new tool that replaces these other tools and ultimately saves you money because one tool that does three different things versus three different tools uh, may be a lot less expensive for you. And it lowers your risk because you have gone from three systems to one. Um, so those are some really good reasons why I recommend going to the accounting system. Another reason is because obviously, if you have ever done your own taxes or if you currently do your own taxes, you know that there are categories that you can use to write off as a, you know, as a person who 
has a business, you know, a self-employed person. And I say a self-employed person, but basically a person who has their own business, right? Um, and so if you run a business and you put that on your taxes, you can write specific categories off, but you need to have the number. What is the total amount of that particular expenses? So your business supplies, um, your operating expenses, and those are broken down into categories. So you want to have categories in your accounting system and or your Excel spreadsheet that really pulls that those numbers out so that you can report on them. Um, so, you know, it makes it so much easier if you're doing this along the way as you're doing your um, business. So as you're naturally running your business, just to create your process to include that the day of versus coming back after the fact at the end of the year and trying to do it for 12 months. It's so much easier. So um, I made a little list so I, I didn't lose um, some of the other things from a, from a financial standpoint. So another thing that I really want you to think about, and this kind of goes back to the tax um, categories, but you think about claiming your mileage on your taxes. If you claim your mileage on your taxes, do you have a way to track your mileage or are you just guesstimating, right? Like, oh, I think it's nine miles from here to there. So let me just guess and say, this was the number of miles. Like you need to have a mileage register or an app on your phone, which that is what I recommend is to use an app that tracks your mileage. Well, your accounting system, may have a mileage tracker. Some systems do, some don't. So if your system has a mileage tracker, you wanna make sure you're putting the app on your phone so that, and you learn how to use it so you can get into the habit of when I get into the car, I'm gonna log my mileage and you know make sure that I'm tracking that appropriately. Um, and I have a list of a mileage tracker. I have to find it and I will make sure to put that in the show notes if I'm able to find it. Um, the other thing is that, um, you know, I said that, I think I said the accounting system had, you know, there are some accounting systems that have the mileage tracker. If it does not, there are plenty of apps on uh, just out for your phone that you can add independently and then export that data and upload it into your accounting system. Um, and again, if you're using Excel, you just would export that information, tally it up and find out what that number is to um, include it with your taxes if you are claiming that on your taxes. Um, okay, so the other thing that I want to talk about is um, your paid expense receipts, okay? So when you are paying for things in your business, you are hopefully getting a receipt to show proof of purchase. Listen, guys, you know I love legal. And so if you think about Judge Judy, right? Or any court show, what is one of the things, specifically small claims court, right? What is one of the things that they ask for in every single situation? Give me the documentation. When you start saying, I did this and I provided this and they promised for this, they're going to say, where is the proof, right? So you want to make sure that you have the receipt for anything that you purchase in your business. So from that standpoint, if you're receiving these receipts, the first thing I'm gonna say is if what, wherever you purchase, whatever you purchased, if they give you the option to have an electronic receipt sent, opt for that option or opt for both. Cause I've been in companies where they say, do you want an email receipt, a print receipt or both? And I would say, 
go with both. And the reason that I say that is because if they can send it to you electronically, then you don't have to worry about scanning it in and getting it into your system, okay? Um, because that's just one more step that you've got to take. So that's the first thing I want to say. The second thing is you want to make sure that you have a system by which you are saving this information down. So it's coming into your email. So what do you do with that receipt once you receive it? Um, one thing is that I would recommend that you have an accounting folder in your source of truth. And so those who went through the electronic clutter course, you know that the source of truth is where that parent place where all of your files are living. So you want to have an accounting folder there. Um, and under that accounting folder, you want folders that depict each year, signifies each year. So 2021, 2020, 2019, 2018, you want to have a year. Now, I only keep seven years worth of documentation. That is my personal choice. Again, not an accountant. So you do you, right? But I stop at seven because that is the amount of time that the IRS can come back and audit you. So I want to make sure that I maintain at least seven years worth of documentation and information regarding anything that I have filed on my taxes. So I make sure to save down my receipts right? My expense receipts down to this folder. And I have a specific naming convention that I use to depict what it is. So it may say 2021 teachable annual software license, right? Or software service or whatever that thing is. So I know what year it hits and I know what it is at a glance, right? Save that down so that if you need to refer to it later, if you need to pull that up for any reason, you have it and you can access it. Now, some people's accounting systems store expense receipts within the system. They may have a way for you to scan the receipts in um, or for you to upload the receipts. And that is perfectly fine. You have to decide which you would want, you want to have. I actually recommend doing both. I recommend having it in your accounting folder because that's your source of truth. But also you can upload it into your accounting system because it's all in one fell swoop in one place, right? So um, some people are like, I don't want to go through uploading it. What value does it give me? Let me just keep it here because it's with all my tax stuff. And that's okay too, okay? Just as long as you are maintaining it in a central location and it's not being stored in your email box. That's the key I, I wanna make sure that you're understanding. The same thing you need to think about in relation to income receipts. So those, and when I say income, I'm referring to when you, when you sell your products, do you have a way to give a receipt? So think about if it's an electronic product or do you have it set up in your, whatever the electronic system is for it to automate sending an invoice, oh, I'm sorry, not an invoice, but a receipt to your customer, okay? You wanna make sure that you're doing that so that they have proof of purchase as well and that you can show that, hey, I received your payment and this is what I am showing that I received. That is your responsibility as a business owner as well. And you wanna make sure that on that receipt that you have some clear you know, information. You have details about the product that they purchased, um, any information regarding sales tax or discounts or anything that they will need to know. Um, should they come back to you with a complaint 
or anything like that, you want to know exactly what they purchased and what you are dealing with. And so that is proof. And so you don't want to have rules in your business where you're saying, okay, you can get a refund, but what do you need for that refund, right? What do you need to be able to process that refund? And having a receipt that is very clear um, as far as what they should re receive back is important. Um, and just that's just good customer service to make sure that you're sending that out as well. Um, but for income receipts, like you receive an email from your system, like for Teachable, for Organized Academy, anytime somebody becomes a member of the vault, I receive an email saying, hey, you have a new vault member, right? And that for me is just a, oh, that's great. Let me, you know, go and see who it is or, or whatever, right? There is nothing that I am doing with that receipt um, in my financial system, other than saying, oh, great, we have a new member, right? Because that information is captured by my system, which in turn, I can go there and pull the reports that I need versus keeping track of these separate emails for income receipts, okay? So you may, that that's a, a good hack for you in your email box to be able to just go in and mark uh, if you can set up a rule to say after a week, delete all these that say, you know, um, new member or whatever the subject line is or however you identify those items. Um, let me make sure. Let me go down this list. Okay, monthly statements. So I talked about having your accounting system be that one place, that central location where you see the full story and everything that's going on. One of the re reasons or the ways that you get that full story is to make sure that you are reconciling your bank statements and all the different places where money lives and making sure you're reconciling that with what is in your accounting system. So each month, and I recommend you do this monthly, but understand life, right? You may wanna do it quarterly, you may wanna do it annually. I recommend not annually because that's just a lot to do in one fell swoop. Um, but I would say if you're doing it monthly, that's going to be the easiest route because hopefully your the amount of expenses and income is going to be um, smaller and you're able to get a finger on the pulse as to what is happening in your business each month, right? So basically you'll get um, your, your uh, bank statement. When the bank statement comes out, you would take that bank statement, you import it in, depending on if you have a sync with your accounting system or not get it into your accounting system, and then you reconcile what that system is showing with what is on the bank statement. And so it should reconcile it and say, okay, this matches what your, your system is saying you have, right? And so you are going through and you're categorizing each of those expenditures, which in turn will let you see where you are in the overall scheme of things, how much you spent for the month, how much you made for the month, what's your profit and loss for the month, um, what categories are, you know, what categories are going over budget? Like if you set a budget for the year, you can do a comparison and, and forecast out what does it look like I'm doing for the year? Do I need to slow down on something or speed up on something? Um, so that is going to help you. And so you're going to do that with all of your accounting, I'm sorry, all of your bank statements. Um, you're, so your checking and your savings, you're going to do that with any systems, your PayPal, your Stripe, any payment processors where you are taking money, Venmo, Cash App, you're gonna pull that information down and get it imported into your accounting system. So again, you are having a full complete story. If you have invoices that you send out, 
Uh, most accounting systems have invoices built into their system. And the beauty of it being built into the system is when you send that out and, and your customer pays, um, you it automatically reconciles that within your system. The other thing is that you can easily see where someone hasn't paid their bill, you can kind of keep a finger on the pulse of what's happening with these invoices, right? Instead of you just sending a follow-up email of, hey, you haven't paid your invoice or what's going on, you know, the system, you can set up automated um, reminders and it, it's just a much cleaner and more um, professional way of requesting, you know, money be sent and, and keeping an understanding of how many times have you reminded them and, and what is going on with this particular invoice in your business. So speaking of, so we talked about the invoices in the system, but let's say that you don't have your accounting system. I'm not forgetting about you guys. There is a way, like if you have PayPal, any of your payment processing systems typically will have an invoice option within it, okay? So Stripe has one, PayPal has one. Those are the two that I have used. So check their first before going out and getting an independent invoice system. But again, if knowing that you're going to go, hopefully go to a, an accounting system um, to begin that process, then pick your accounting system, figure out, and if they have a free option, then go ahead and start using their invoice system um, to, do, to do that part of your business. If you have Square, I know they have an invoice system built into their platform. Um, and so it's just doing a little legwork to see what is the system you use capable of doing and can it do all of these financial things? Because in most cases, whatever you're using will probably have at least 75% um, of what I'm talking about today. They may not have the reconciliation where you can bring everything into one place, but it'll get you close, right? And so then that way, at least if, you, if you're doing it all in one system, then you could just link that or integrate that with whatever accounting system you finally choose and you will be halfway to home base, right? All right, so we talked about invoices. Um, definitely making sure that you're only sending invoices from one central location because you don't want to send an invoice to one person for this service and it comes from this system. And then when they do another service, it's coming over here from this system. Try to keep it unified to one particular place where they are receiving your invoices and the information that you have. Um, and then I think finally, what I'd like to talk about is the separation of your business and personal. Now, most of you all are already doing this. Um, but for those of you who are not, who are still linking their business bank accounts with their personal bank accounts, stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. So I know I talk about commingling, you know, making sure that you treat yourself as one person and not having yourself split in multiple places. That is so true about everything except for your finances. You want to have a clear delineation between your business finances and your personal finances for many reasons. But some of the key reasons is, number one, if you were to get audited, they're going to want to know what is truly happening in your business. And you want to keep that over here. What happens if your business takes off and you have to bring on a partner or you want to sell your business? You need to be able to show the profit and loss and all the detailed information about your business. They don't need to see all your personal stuff built into those, those reports, right? It's going to skew the reports. 
So you wanna make sure that that is separated out. The other thing is you don't want to be spending from your business account for personal things. So in what you should be doing, if you, let's say that your business is making money and you wanna take money out of your business to go on a family vacation, it is your money. But what you need to do is signify that as a draw or a payment from the business to you to, in order for you to take that money out and do it, do personal stuff for it. So it will, it will be notated properly in your accounting reports. Okay. So keep it separate. Um, the, you, I would recommend that you find a bank that does not charge bank fees for you um, to have a bank account for your business. Now, that's just asking the question of, do you charge fees? Most of the time, if there's fees, it's just basic checking account fees. And if you ask that they'll waive them. The other reason why they charge fees or they have penalties is if your bank account goes below a certain amount, try to avoid those um, types of accounts if you can. Uh, find one that has interest, you know, that, that you can earn interest on. Um, and I know my bank is an online bank uh, for my business. And so it was free and I was able to um, get interest on it. The only thing with that one is they didn't have specific business accounts. And so, but I, because I'm a solopreneur, I was able to set it up under my name with the care of my business name uh, for my business. And so that was perfectly fine um, once they understood what I was trying to do. So definitely just consider where you are banking. Um, and if, you know, I would recommend trying to get the same bank where your personal is just to make things easier if you can, and they, and you can get them to waive the fees, um, to have your bank account. And then the other thing for banks that require, a, you know, they have bank accounts that you can set up that a lot of them will want you to have an EIN number for your business. That is something that you can get for free. All you need to do is contact the Internal Revenue Service. Um, I'm sure that you can Google it. Just put in EIN um, and IRS, and there is more than likely an online form that you can use. I will try to find it and put it in the show notes of this episode, but you just um, apply for your EIN and it will send you your EIN number. And that's like a social security number for your business. Um, so some bank accounts, banks will require you to have that to open a bank account, uh, a business bank account. So um, finally on this topic, um, some people ask me why I have both a checking and a savings account for my business. And it's the same reason why I have that for my personal accounts. And it's mainly because I don't like to leave money just sitting in, in the checking part of my business. I move excess over to my savings. So that lets me know if there's something pops up or there's an opportunity uh, for me and I want to spend money that I didn't necessarily budget for this year, I can look in my savings account and see, hey, do I have excess money that I can spend on this particular thing? How is my business doing? And, and do I want to take that risk or do I want to make that additional expenditure? Um, this goes back to your annual budgets, um, your goals for the year and bootstrapping. I'm a big proponent of bootstrapping and which for those who don't know, basically means that my business pays for itself um, so, you know, ultimately I don't get loans. I don't have investments. It's all of what I make or I personally put into my business. And so I want to make sure that it is surviving on its own. 
And um, so therefore, I, that's how I determine um, when there's excess expenditures in my business, how I want to do them, right? Is, is it, does it make sense to do that now or not? Uh, for those who are curious, um, I will be going into a lot more detail specifically about my personal process and um, going through some deeper dives regarding the accounting system I use and the processes that I have in my own business. I will be doing that in the Organized Academy Vault. So you, you can just jump over there. And if you are a member, you will have access to that under the financial hub. So I hope you found this information helpful and I will talk to you guys soon. Today's episode is brought to you by Organized Academy, where you learn all things organizing that will help you holistically balance your business and personal life so you can live the life you always dreamed of living. Learn more today and become a member by visiting organizedacademy.com. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast today, and I hope you found something that will help you in your organizing journey. If you did, consider leaving a comment or review so it will help others know the value that you received. For more information regarding this or any other episode, visit dlmorales.com. And as always, do something today to fill your happiness bucket. I'll see you next time.